Uh, good evening from Dubai. Good afternoon, Europe, and good morning, America. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome all of you uh, to today's webinar. We are going to be talking about community building in Web3. You will all agree that community building is, is at the heart of Web3. A lot of big brands have made the mistake of trying to build first in the metaverse and then going about building a community. In my opinion, it should be the other way around. Start by building a community because community is not only the king, it is the kingdom. All right, so that's uh, the introduction and that's the reason why we selected this topic. I would request our audience members to please use the chat to communicate with our panelists. Let us know which part of the world you are coming in from. And an additional request to all of you in the audience, please let me know which is the first word that you know, comes to your mind when you think of community. So it could be a word, it could be a phrase. Feel free to communicate with us. So let's do the introductions and I'm going to go around the room starting with Dr. Annalisa. Thank you, Sharad. Um, great to be with everybody. I am calling in from um, the greater Detroit area on the East Coast of the USA. Uh, my name is Annalisa Boyson and I am the founder architect of the Global Village. It is a transitional uh, metaverse for global entrepreneurs. So my background is in economics and I also had a stint in academics uh, as an internal auditor building econometric models and also consulting with uh, small businesses on structure and processes. Now, community is really part of who I became over a number of years because I've spent um, time in nine different countries. I've actually lived, worked, and volunteered in nine different countries. And that gives you a really unique perspective on community because you have to reestablish yourself every time in these uh, new countries. And community really was a sustain sustaining factor for me. So I brought those, in, uh, those insights, those perspectives on community into the community that we are building in your global village. So that is me. Great, let's go to Maya. Mm, hi everyone, I'm Maya, I'm calling from Poland. Uh, I am a founder of a community for Web3 developers. Um, pretty new in the space because we started it um, March this year um, and unexpectedly from a little side project for fun it turned out to be a full-time um, business and uh, agency because a lot of projects joining our community asked to do uh, community uh, management and marketing also for them so that's my story thank you Maya let's go to Andrea everyone, uh, Andrea from Milan. I'm a global head of Web3 Metaverse and Gaming for Eslor Luxottica. Uh, I'm founder of NFT Hub Italy, which is uh, probably one of the biggest community in Italy over this topic, and partner in uh, Chainblock, which is a consultancy firm working in, in the blockchain uh, in the European market. Nice to meet you all. Thank you. And the backstory is I met Andrea in uh in our NFT show Europe conference in Valencia. And he gave an excellent presentation on building a community in Web3. And that's the day I decided to hold this webinar. So Andrea, this is an honor of you. All right, you, let's, go, let's go to uh, Dr. Jayendrina, please. Um, hello, everyone. Um, funnily, this panel discussion for me is a lot like Alice following the white rabbit to Wonderland. Um, I uh, find myself voluntarily representing all the curious listeners here who are still grappling with the idea of the metaverse and Web3. Um, my involvement with communities began with my teaching career. Uh, a great part of it entailed building communities, uh, as in building learning uh, communities, crafting inclusive curriculum, advancing diversity on campus. I was part of the anti-racist writing assessment ecology grant. Um, and also uh, coordinated, um, um, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. And I was also a part of the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, yeah, I, I coordinated efforts with other institutions and nonprofits uh, to set in motion a plan on uh, creating cohort-based classes for new Afghan arrivals in Washington in 2021. Uh, Meanwhile, I uh, began engaging in public scholarship 
and started writing opinion columns on education, culture, politics, and emerging technologies related to education for the Seattle Weekly. Uh, this was my way of interacting with a community of readers uh, by learning from them and providing and, and informing them with unbiased information. Uh, so this led me to interview some experts in the metaverse space, and it got me curious to decode what this meant for me, my readers, and communities I had served. Currently, I work as a learning experience designer, serving a community of learners, and I find myself here with a desire to learn two things. A, how communities are being shaped in Web3, and B, how Web3 would reimagine socio-political spaces and institutions through its tenets of decentralization and self-sovereignty. Wow, that's a lot of big words you've used right there. Um, yeah, thank you, uh, Jandrina. Let's go to Gislen, who's based in Dubai. Hi, Sharad. I'm uh, very happy to be here. Thank you for convening all of us, and thank you for building this community. Um, so my name is Ghazlan Genez. I'm Algerian. I've lived in Dubai most of my life, and uh, uh, like you, Annalise, my background is economics, but uh, more so in the, in the private equity space, but I've been an entrepreneur for about eight years now. Uh, I'm the founder of uh, The Modest, which is the first and only global uh, luxury fashion marketplace for modest dressers that serves an audience from the US to our part of the world all the way to Asia of very diverse women. Um, and I'm also uh, the co-founder of Queen Mode NFTs, which is an NFT collection uh, that gives you access to a host of utility, but also with the vision of um, building the most influential community of women in emerging markets and give them access to networking opportunities, to uh, exploring synergies, and also to, to grow in general and build, uh, build um, uh, growth and financial, uh, well, growth and financial um, uh, opportunities. Um, I also have a uh, passion project. I'm passionate about everything that I do, but I also have a, a project on the side called F-Force, which is uh, a, a platform that uh, offers courses for women who want to start businesses, having gone through the journey, having failed, having uh, achieved some successes, and wanting to share the learnings with women who want to get into this space. And I suppose, um, I mean, this topic is uh, one of uh, one of those that I'm most passionate about. I think I have been building communities organically without thinking about building communities for many, many years. It started with the Modest in 2017. I'll talk a bit later about it all the way until now, uh, our NFT uh, community, uh, where the conversation is more um, direct around the importance of community. So I'm excited to hear from all the um, all the panelists and also hear the questions from the audience. Sure, thank you, Kislin. So our audience will agree with me that we have an amazing panel today. And uh, I'm sure we'll be learning a lot as we go along through the experiences of each one of the panelists in terms of you know, the opportunities, the challenges that they have faced in building their own communities. So I'm going to circle back to Dr. Annalisa and ask you, uh, Annalisa, uh, you know, how long you've been into building your global community? Uh, when did you start? What is the traction you are getting? What are the kind of conversations that are happening? Please share with us your story. Thank you. Thanks, Sharad. Yes. Um, I'd say the, the idea for the community started about two years ago, um, but we really launched about a year and a half ago, I would say, um, where we, we really started building the community in earnest. So let me just give you a little bit of, of information about the community that we are building. Um, it is called Your Global Village, and it is really the way that I see it. It's, the, it's a bridge to the future of business. Um, specifically for small and medium enterprises to get familiar with the metaverse, to get comfortable with it, and to start really using it as a proper business strategy, because that is what it is. So the, um, the metaverse world that we are building is based on a medieval world city concept with merchant houses in between. And all the merchant houses then are occupied by different entrepreneurs. And that's where the whole village concept comes in. And what makes it unique is that each of these houses are then custom designed to that specific entrepreneur's um, branding story. 
Now, how this then forms together to create something of value is that this is a business community and the virtual neighbors then become clients of each other. They take each other into their networks by looking actively for opportunities, but they also band together and um, impact and legacy is a big thing for us. So together as a collective, we are putting a legacy into the world because everything that happens in the village actually helps to create a quality of life impact elsewhere in the world. So the traction that we're getting with this is really the sense of there is now a tight-knit community that truly feels if it's a, it's a village family um, that is beyond the obvious of, I know somebody, you're an acquaintance of mine. It is really an active community. And the fact that they have the visual connection to we're all living and working in this community that is a village, I think that is what makes it unique. And it bridges the gap between just another community to one that is highly engaged and where trust is really part and parcel of what we do. And that I think is the basis of a strong community. Yeah, great. And uh, I've known Annalisa for almost two years and I've been a member of your global village. Uh, it's just awesome. It's like an extended family. And I do recommend you check out yourglobalvillage.com when you get a chance. And Annalisa will be, I think, happy to show you around what she's already built. And I know that she is launching a few more extensions of our village very soon. So you may want to join that. Okay, let me go to uh, Milano. Andrea, I know you are working with a lot of fashion brands and others in helping them build communities. So can you share some real use cases of what brands are doing uh, in terms of building communities? Yeah, well, uh, before going in, uh, you know, talking about what are the, uh, the example of, 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 of brands that really perform well in the space, I think that it's important to clarify what for a brand is important before uh, acting in order to define uh, which are the right steps. And uh, the first one, I, I mean, when you want to create a community beside, uh, I mean, the, the, the identification of the community itself. So before understanding which kind of community you want to create, uh, you really need to understand, I think, uh, what is the value you can bring to the table? Because in the end, uh, uh, if you collect uh, even a thousand people around the table, but you don't have much to say or to offer to them, uh, uh, in the end, the community will end up failing. Uh, I believe that uh, what are you doing uh, here is a perfect example. You gather people together, you created uh, a space, uh, and you bring value because basically in the end, uh, you are bringing them something they are aiming for. In this case, it's knowledge, information, uh, and, and other stuff. So for brands, I think it's really important to understand how they can, uh, you know, deliver value. You know, I stress this point uh, a lot. Uh, I, I always make, some, make this kind of example. I mean, if you are a, 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 an automotive, uh, an automotive uh, maker, probably your metaverse should be focused in something that relates to your brand. So probably creating a PFP collection of apes doesn't fit exactly your scope or creating a puffy metaverse where people is jumping around on their feet could be cool, but way far from your scope and your brand identity. So really the goal, I think, is always to uh, merge what is uh, the value you can bring, the value of your brand, which always needs to be present. Because in the end, the metaverse is just another channel of communication for your brand. It's another layer of communication. And as you're trying to be consistent when you're talking on your Twitter account, Facebook account, LinkedIn account, the same should be with the metaverse. So really, uh, I mean, with the brands I'm working uh, with, uh, uh, we will launch the first uh, real big activation, I think, in November. So I'm, I'm fortunate I can exactly tell you the subject. But the, the, the thought that we did was, uh, I mean, what do we do in our, uh, in our business? How can we really bring this value that we are creating sincere, uh, since years uh, in the real world uh, inside the virtual world. And this is the path we're going to follow and the path that I believe every brand should follow. So understand how can you enrich the community you're aiming to create? Uh, how can you bring value, information, uh, economic value, call it as you like, 
but you need to bring something to the table. You can invite people at dinner and then showing an empty table. I mean. Okay, that's a good one. So my takeaway from whatever you said, Andrea, is I guess you start by defining a purpose for your community, identify the values, and then uh, very important is you have to nurture and nourish the community, right, on an ongoing basis. It's not about numbers, it's about quality, and it's about creating perhaps events that involve them, have some kind of engagement activities. And so you've got to plan it out. You can't just wake up one morning and decide to start a community. You can, but it won't flourish. You can trust me on that one. So a uh, lot of hard work goes into building a community, but we'll uh, talk more about that in a bit. I'm going to bounce now to Gislin because I know she has a first-hand experience of building a community from scratch. So, so please share your journey with us in terms of where you are at and what's your vision for the future. Sure, thanks Sharad. So um, actually where it started is with the Modest. Um, we launched um, this platform because there was a need for a woman who wanted to dress in a way that was a little bit covered, but uh, but equally fashionable and felt quite um, um, alienated in the fashion space, if you will. No one was speaking to her. It was a very large niche. niche. So uh, we created this platform to offer her a very, um, uh, very beautiful, inspiring, experience shopping experience but at the same time we went beyond that and we spearheaded and um, and uh, spoke about a number of values that were re relevant to this woman like breaking stereotypes around who the modest dresser is like um, being inclusive in general but also empowering choice in the sense that if you as a woman wanted to cover or you wanted to show skin it's your prerogative and there's nothing more empowering than exercising that choice and because of these values that we we uh, constantly spoke about. Uh, we harnessed a beautiful community of women of over 200,000 on Instagram alone of not only customers, not only people who saw the Modest as a des shopping destination, but actually who connected with a brand that was changing the way the media and the world was viewing this constituency. And that was the first value that we were delivering. Um, and that was, and those were the shared values that brought all our community together. So when we talk about community, I think shared values, as was said, is so important because that's one of the first things that's a glue that brings them together and creates that harmony. Um, and then actually what happened was that the modest, I mean, it was growing, it was it resonated, it was on all, you know, prints and magazines, but we were fundraising in early 2020 and with COVID, um, our lead investor got impacted, so they pulled out and we had to close for a year. And when we closed, that community just was rallying with us, was supportive, was there through the time, even when we couldn't offer them anything, anything online. And so that made me and my co-founder think, you know what, we're going to go back to this community, but this time we want to offer them something beyond the social media exchange. We want to do something even bigger. At that point, we looked at a number of different things, but when the NFT technology came about and we understood it, it was very clear to us that this was a vehicle that we can deploy in order to bring that community even closer to us and now create that exchange whereby they are helping us and have been helping us build and grow our brand and thereby our business, but now they can actually be part of that growth and, um, and um, in a and receive part of that that success, not just you know in um, uh, in uh, uh, you know in real terms, in in uh, in actual tangible terms, as we say, and that is how Queen Mode then then started. And just to add to that a little bit, which is um, something that um, Annalise mentioned, the word of trust. I think trust is such an important thing with communities. Um, when you bring them under an umbrella of trust, that's when that you know that engagement really flourishes. When we started, and this is just one thing that I want to mention, when we started Queen Mode, it was with the idea of offering most of the utility from the modest. But what we realized was that our community of women were not just lovers of fashion. They were business owners. They wanted to grow. They wanted to create financial wealth. They wanted to network. They wanted an equalizer to the boys club. 
as I say. And so we actually pivoted that a little bit. And that's another thing I wanted to say about communities is that you have to constantly listen. You have to move with them. They're, you know, they're beings that are shifting all the times and evolving in their journey. So actually shifting with them is, is a very relevant thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Amazing point you made there. Community managers need to listen. I know a lot of community managers and they just talk, talk, talk all the time. Very important to listen because you will get a sense of direction. You will get to know what people want. And that's what community managers uh, should be doing, I think, most of the time. So, yeah, great takeaways there, Gizmin. Thanks for sharing your story. Let me go to Maya. Maya, you're in Poland. Uh, share with us, you know, the learnings you've had from your community experiment. Yeah, so um, I really like that uh, what you mentioned that um, listening is a very important part because we also pivoted a lot, uh, especially that we started the community um, with the idea to gather uh, web-free experts, but turned out um, in Poland specifically, we don't have enough um, developers uh, being experts we have like 90 percent of the community that joined us they were only interested in web3 so we pivoted from being um, a place where experts can talk and um, exchange ideas we pivoted to be a place where we can actually invite experts to deliver some uh, value for the community that want to learn about web3 that, that want to learn about development of web3 how to transition from web2 to web3 um so i, I think um generally uh, our the, the biggest takeaways uh, would be that you have to listen um, all the time. Uh, take feedback, don't take it personally. Um, constantly think about how to deliver value, uh, what they are looking for. Um, and honestly, um, it's very time consuming at the beginning bef before the community gains attraction. Uh, but Thinking about that, um, finding um, long-term aim to develop the community, um, kind of like end game, um, help you create a sustainable model. Um, so, and I think for every community that would be uh, that should be end game, like um, that it can function and help each other and grow without um, without you anymore. Yeah, thanks, Maya, for those insights. Uh, Jandrina, I'll come to you now. What do you think are the qualities that a community manager should possess to build a robust and engaging community? Um, I think uh, I would like to talk about that in terms of challenges. Uh, some of the uh, immediate uh, challenges that I uh, think, you know, building communities involved are, uh, and I can talk uh, from the perspective of building communities of learner, our uh, digital divide, and uh, more importantly, education. Uh, how do you simplify or explain Web3 to the masses effectively um, and make people trust you enough to be a part of it without prescription, without manipulation or coercion? So for example, uh, if you were to, to, to talk about Shivo, which was a national Bitcoin wallet launched by the El Salvador government, it didn't take off owing to several factors. One of which, uh, as noted by uh, the National uh, Bureau of Economic Research in 2022, was the general population's uh, lack of trust and their familiarity with using uh, cash. So, um, and my uh, teaching experience tells me that long-term trust for, uh, formation is based on seven key factors, and this is in real world. So one is uh, familiarity, like frequent interactions, uh, uh, and Andrea mentioned it too, you know, hosting events. Sharad, you've mentioned it too. Uh, so some form of physical, economic, cultural, linguistic similarity always draws people and keeps them together. Uh, and this leads to uh, number two, which is a feeling of security. 
Um, three would be uh, reciprocity uh, or synchrony, as we call it in, in, the, in the world of education. So it could be reciprocity through, uh, you know, touch, through food, through gestures or language, which, which is both verbal and nonverbal. Could be four, which is shared goals. So, uh, for example, uh, DAOs, you know, DAOs like uh, the Constitution DAO or Harambe DAO that, that's working on gorilla and wildlife conservation projects. So what's the shared goal? What are we uh, aiming at? Five would be acts of kindness and six would be uh, credibility. And one more, which is open empathetic communication. So I think those are the immediate challenges, I think, uh, to community building that uh, community builders should keep in mind. Uh, and uh, high level, I think there are ethical and long-term concerns, which we can talk about later. Okay, great. Uh, thanks, Jainrina. Uh, now I want to pivot a little towards the metaverse. I want to know how many of you have actually organized events in the metaverse. Show of hands, anybody hosting events? Andrea, what's your experience on that? Chaotic, chaotic in the beginning because I wasn't prepared. Actually, I mean, uh, the first time I did it, uh, I did uh, like a, a quick talk on spatial, and it's not the one you're uh, you're waiting for, Sharad. Uh, so uh, that that one is coming, and <laughs> not yet. But uh, and really, I wasn't I wasn't ready myself. So I ended up making some confusion with the avatar uh, and so on. The the biggest lesson I learned is. Uh, test before so uh now on what i learned is really but uh, like really stupid stuff for example i didn't really got the way to move uh, uh, properly inside that metaverse so it felt kind of weird i believe for for the audience because i i, I was going around at a certain point i was in a very specific topic and i pushed the wrong button and my avatar started to dance which, as you can imagine, if you're trying to be serious uh, and meaningful, isn't exactly the best approach to have. Uh, so the first takeaway that I will give to you is uh, first uh, try and experiment uh, with the platform you're going to use. Uh, you don't want to find yourself dancing uh, while you're explaining blockchain, for example. Not the best. Uh, so that's for sure. And uh, I mean, understand that, that it's not uh, like a, a YouTube video or a conference like we are doing right now. It's a totally different concept, uh, but that I think it's something that relates to, to a lot of stuff. We were talking about community before. And by the way, I, I don't know, Sharada, do you wanna do, but I have a question for, from the audience that could be tied to the topic, but we can discuss later. But uh, I mean, the way you handle the community or an event inside the metaverse, it's far, far, far different from, from any other experience you had uh, uh, in live chat, uh, YouTube, uh, podcast, or, or whatever you like. It's a physical space in the end, uh, so you need to act properly and be prepared. Yeah, so I would like to share my experience of hosting a few events in the metaverse. Uh, I've done a couple on a platform called mootup.com. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, I've done something on urnowhere.com. That's another metaverse platform for events. And uh, the third one I tried was journey.live, which is pretty good. And of course, Spatial, which is like very popular. Uh, one of our meta shapers who's in the audience is Jamie Brett of MetaHub in London. So he has created a space for us, which is custom made for the meta shapers community. And I think we've had uh, three, four events already and are planning another one for next month. My experience of hosting events in the metaverse is as follows. One, technology is uh, still evolving. It's very clunky. Navigation is like really hard. Like Andrea said, you press the wrong button. Instead of going into serious mode, you go in a dance mode. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's early days, but Technology is moving at the speed of thought, so we have to be patient. I was on a call with one of the founders of Spatial, and I did share my experience with him. And uh, the feedback he gave me was the next version is going to take care of most of the limitations that exist today. For example, not more than 50 people can be in the room, so I understand. But uh, those are bandwidth issues. Those are platform-related issues, which they are working on. 
So my guess is in the coming months, a um, lot of these metaverse platforms for events will become mainstream and Zoom will be so web 2.0 and we will all be having even for only webinars. Uh, I'm right now experimenting with a metaverse platform and if all goes well, we will ship from Zoom to that platform. So we are testing right now. And that'll be a very unique kind of experience in 3D. We'll come in as avatars. We can talk to each other without going into a separate uh, meeting room. So it has its advantages. Okay, coming back. Uh, I want to touch a little bit about all the new Web3 platforms that are there for building communities. Does anybody in the room have experience on Discord or Telegram or whatever else? And maybe, yeah, so Andrea, what is your platform of choice? Does it depend on number of people that you're going to have in the community? Does it depend on how, uh, you know, uh, the skill set of the people of the community? What, what do you think are the important criteria a community manager should look at while deciding the platform on which they should build their community? Uh, I believe scope, and I'll take uh, the point on Discord because also there was a question on, on the topic. Uh, if you are a brand, uh, and I was having this, discuss this discussion with an executive from, from Nike uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the real question is, do you really want a, a Discord community? Because in the end, uh, uh, I mean, as a brand, you need to be prepared to handle the community. And, uh, and I'm, I'm hearing about companies that want to, brands that want to have a 100,000 people community on Discord. And probably they forgot that in the end, they need to manage that 100,000 people community. And to manage that community, it's not like managing a Facebook page. It, you can't answer the day after. Uh, you can answer with, uh, you know, a pre-compiled list of uh, answer uh, that you can repeat like a robot. Uh, the, 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 I mean, the, the real challenge is to find the, the right community manager and uh, which are totally different from um, the one you're having for the, your community manager for social media. I think the best choice is always to uh, start small and then hiring from the community. I mean, if you take a look at what the most successful projects have done so far, nine projects over 10, I think their community manager is a fan of the project that got into the community, become an older, and after that was hired by the team to be the community manager. And that's probably the best approach. If you approach this kind of stuff with an industrial point of view, probably you end up uh, being wrong uh, and make more damage. Because remember, 100,000 people in your community are 100,000 people to be satisfied, 100,000 people asking question, 100,000 people questioning what you're doing. So you either prepare to reply to all of them, or you ended up damaging your brand instead on, uh, of empowering it. So I think it depends a lot on resources. Uh, really depends. I, I think even Twitter or Reddit could be amazing tools, especially probably in the beginning, because it's more one directional as a communication. While like Discord, uh, Discord is really, 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 really demanding as a platform. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my take. Yeah, I'm going to go to Gesven and uh, can you share your experience in? How you first? I want to ask you: What's the size of your community members? How many people do you have? Which parts of the world are they from? What are the uh, cultural nuances of handling community members? And how do you just make it all happen? Yeah. So um, currently, we have around, let's say, about fifteen hundred active community members. But a much larger, uh, a much larger number, uh, and I'll and I'll explain what I mean. When um, so we're currently uh, minting, but and we started just a couple of days ago. But prior to that, we've just been engaging with our community. And at one point, we wanted to um, create a WhatsApp group. So one of the things that we've done at Queen Mode is that you know we've done all the research, all the benchmarking on how others do things, and we decided you know what it doesn't work for us. 
us. And I think that that's one of the things that one needs to just bear in mind when it comes to dealing with your community. So as Andrea was saying, Discord was what everyone was talking about, but our woman is not on Discord, nor does she want to be on Discord at this moment. So what we did, because we are in this part of the world, we started a WhatsApp group. And within four days, we had 500 women engaging nonstop. I mean, it was the best product market fit I had seen organically with no marketing, engaging nonstop, networking, supporting, um, the works. Then we moved to Telegram because we needed to bring on a, a much larger number of women, and that channel has been growing. However, where we are today is that it's a great channel. We do a lot of events offline, but we do need a little bit of structure because we're all about, you know, networking and creating opportunities, which is hard to do in um, in a, um, a Telegram group or WhatsApp. What's happening right now is that because the community have seen the value of them coming together and they're seeing the opportunity of that exchange happen, they are willing to put in the effort to learn something like Discord and move to Discord in order to bring in more structure to their exchange. So I feel my experience showed me that you don't start with trying, which is what we did at the beginning, trying to explain what Discord is or what NFT is, or you know, start with that. You start with actually showing them why is it, what's the value for you to actually understand what an NFT is or you know, try to learn what a Discord is. And then once that's established, then it becomes easier to, to shift them. In terms of where they are, they're from uh, predominantly our part of the world and emerging markets, but we do have, you know, women from the US and from Europe. Um, we find that, um, to be completely honest, one of the reasons we did this is that it was quite challenging for us to collaborate with any of the female-led or the NFT um, collections in the West. And so we decided we've got more than enough here in our part of the world, so let's focus on, on here. Uh, we also um, have chapters. So we have chapters in Lagos, in uh, Cairo, in Kuala Lumpur, in Mexico, of women who are building the community from the ground up. Um, and then, you know, they join us virtually. So there are various ways with which we are, you know, trying to build that community. And for us, it's not about selling NFTs. As I said, we're not like following the, the cookie cutter. It's about bringing the right people, the right women, women or men into that community, because that is what's going to give it that, you know, um, long-term, um, you know, the long-term aspect. Yeah, thanks for sharing those insights. So uh, there's a question from Sarah Asal, uh, who wants to know how she can collaborate with, uh, I guess, our panelists to grow the communities. So feel free to put the URL of your communities in the chat, um, and then people can uh, collaborate with you. I've already put a URL for MetaShapers. That's a community we started eight months back. And if you are in the blockchain space or Web3 tokenization DAOs, uh, you can um, just create your profile and join us. We do host a lot of events. So we have a monthly uh, Zoom meeting, and then we do one uh, event in the metaverse every four to six weeks. So that's where we've started with. We obviously want to create good content. And one thing that works very well in our community is that uh, MetaShapers is a global community, and uh, we are creating and sharing good content, you know, like those uh, reports that keep coming out from the big four and others in terms of uh, what works and what doesn't work. We find great resources being created. So we have almost like a library of, I guess, more than 200 documents now. So whenever I need to go out and speak at a conference, that's my go-to place. So I just go there. Uh, and, you know, you can have accelerated learning. So I think all community managers should look at building a resource center because that can add a lot of value. And once you start doing that, you have to keep updating it uh, frequently because all the terms and glossaries, they keep coming at you, uh, you know, almost every day. So this is an ongoing uh, learning thing. And if you decide to start a community, I can tell you it's a 24 by seven uh, kind of an involvement, emotionally and physically. 
and you have to be like a role model because that's when people will you know respect you will trust you will show up uh, for events so yeah so that's my experience and uh, now um, there have been more comments than questions in the chat so i know that we have a global audience from almost all continents uh, and i want to thank everybody from the audience who's enjoying this conversation and may i request all our panelists to share their linkedin profiles so people can connect with you and some of the questions we can even take offline uh, later perhaps yeah andrea you want to add some brand story in terms of what the learnings have been for you working with some of the brands in italy like real life case studies what worked what did not work so we can uh, get some takeaways from those yeah uh, i always cite an example that i i really didn't work on uh, it was a project by the son of mr arnaud for tiffany and uh, it's an nft project and the one they did with the crypto punk and tiffany uh, i always bring that project as an example because i think it's it was the most brilliant way in which a brand that was able to leveraging a community without basically talking with them. It was a, an, an, an amazing example of efficiency and value delivery. Uh, basically, what they did is uh, they created the, uh, these 30, 30 Ethereum NFT, so quite expensive, as you can imagine. I think it's around 50K, 50,000 euro right now. And what they said is, uh, if you own a CryptoPunk, you can buy this NFT uh, and uh, come to our website within a month. Uh, you uh, log in with your wallet, we verify you have an NFT of the CryptoPunk, and we're going to create for you a special Tiffany pendant resembling uh, your NFT. If you think about it, it's brilliant. They, they, they really got in touch with the most famous community. They didn't pay a dime uh, to the creators uh, of, uh, of the CryptoPunks uh, or neither Yuga Labs, uh, which actually uh, own them. And they were making the, all the headlines uh, in the news, in the space, in the fashion magazine, uh, whatsoever. And what they did was uh, doing exactly what they are doing uh, since 100 years creating jewels, uh, very limited edition jewels, very precious jewels, uh, uh, which their value probably is not exactly what you paid for, but you don't care because it's, it's a status symbol. And they were able to do it uh, in a new way, engaging with the community they didn't talk, before, uh, didn't talk with before uh, with new technology. So that for me was very, really brilliant. In terms of metaverse, the one that I love the most probably was the one done by Wendy's on Fortnite. I know Fortnite is probably somebody won't uh, consider it as a metaverse, but really what they did was brilliant. Uh, they claim that they don't have a, a freezer and fridge inside the, the restaurants. And so they decided to do a challenge inside Fortnite. When you go around Fortnite, you can find restaurants. And they said, okay, go around and let's destroy all the fridge because we really don't need them because our products is fresh. It, it, I mean, it, the, the project exploded, it was super viral. There are still people talking about it, uh, uh, still people using, using the skins that they released for the specific project. Uh, amazing. I mean, uh, and if you take a look at both the two projects, uh, the, the, the real value to me is that they were able to connect their brand's value and their brand history and quality to what they were doing in a new space with new languages and new platforms. Yeah, great stories there. And I remember one of your slides uh, in Valencia said, brands will be uh, known more by their community ah, yeah. rather than their marketing cap. Am I right? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not a phrase by, uh, by me. It's from uh, Benoit Pagotto, one of the founders of Artifacts. Uh, the project sold for Nike for almost mm -hmm. a billion a year ago. Benoit, it's, uh, I mean, uh, one, one of the people that I respect the most in the space. And he came with this definition that your brand will be not defined by your market cap in the next 10 years, but, but from your community cap. I mean, I amazing. Yeah, Super brilliant definition. Yeah, amazing. All right, now uh, we'll go around the room and I'll uh, let you do some kind of closing remarks. 
two, three takeaways uh, from your experience in this space and from today's discussion. So let's start with uh, Annalisa. Yes, thanks, Sharad. And, and maybe I can just quickly touch on the question that came in from Hitesh there as well, about how do you deal with shared uh, values and, and common interests. Maybe I'll just mention in there that that's something that we actually embrace is um, the differences between people. Because the more you can unite people who come from different spaces into one conversation, the more rich is that conversation. As long as you have that one binding factor that brings them together, then I think diversity is absolutely want you, what you want to create in there. So that's just a, a sideline. Um, and I'm sure everybody else has got some ideas on that. Uh, takeaways from me on where we are with the community in Web3. Um, for me, Web3 is very much, yes, it's about ownership, but for me, it's deeper than that. It's about agency. And agency, in my definition, is you actually have a chance to direct the outcome of something. And I believe that is what communities should be in Web3, to give people the opportunity to be part of something that they can actually direct the outcome of. It doesn't mean they need to necessarily own it, but they need to be able to contribute to it, to say, okay, well, this is what I think. And I think that's a marked difference from what we had in, in Web2. Um, another thing for me to, to really just point out is that we should remember that specifically with the metaverse, it's only a tool, it's a background. The real thing is the community. And we should never forget that that's where our focus needs to be. Yes, the background is the, the novelty, the interesting things that keeps people occupied and bring them in, but they won't stay for the novelty. They'll stay for the community. And that's why you really have to focus on that. And then just lastly, um, this is the early days. So, you know, give everybody a little bit of slack, a little bit of leeway, because we're always trying things out. Um, but as we mature, we're going to learn from each other. So those are the things I want to just leave everybody with. Thank you. And if I may just add a thought to what you said, and uh, that would be, you know, in Web 2, it was about the product, the features, the benefits. In Web 3, I think it's largely about storytelling. So the brands have to be telling the right story with the right voice, the right vocabulary. And the best people in Web3 are the people. Like I've run a digital business for some 26 years. And the best people in my life that I have met have been in the last one year since I pivoted to Web3. And I think most of you in the room will agree with that. It's a very collaborative environment. People are open-hearted and people like to share. And we meet a lot of them in real life. And I just can't wait to be next week in London to meet a lot of my community members who I've never met in real life. So, you know, that's like a real big deal. And we are all looking forward where we can actually hug each other in real life rather than the virtual hugs. So those are my takeaways. I'm going to go to Gislin for her takeaways, please. Um, I think in terms of uh, takeaways, I'm not sure I'm going to add anything new, but what a, um, what I'm loving so much is the fact that Web3 is really bringing that community into the center of everything. And one of the things that um, I say when uh, we're talking about communities in Web3 is that it just makes the whole uh, proof is in the pudding uh, saying so real because as creators, at least in something like what we're doing uh, in Queen Mode, as creators, if you're not delivering on your promises, if you're not honest, transparent, if you don't build that trust and connect with the community, then um, you don't have anything left because, you know, if you don't deliver, the community leaves, you don't have anything there. So it's almost like um, an interesting, uh, an interesting um, a play of uh, they don't need to trust you because, you know, because the proof is in the pudding, but then at the same time, you need to create that trust as well. So um, it's, it's exciting times, I think it's exciting times. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Maya. Maya, your takeaway from today's webinar. Yeah, so um, I would say that generally um, creating a community is all about making everyone feels like home. Uh, and I really like that statement that if you feel like all the seats are turned in your direction, then you have an audience. But if all the seats are turned to each other, then you have a community. 
So I think generally making everyone feel hurt, giving them space to speak and ask, not feeling stupid about asking about something uh, and having the joint mission and just uh, going in the same direction. Thank you. Jandrina, your closing thoughts? Uh, I think uh, the main criticism of Web3 tech uh, is that it falls short of its ideals, which is, uh, you know, the, you know, the complete dissolution of hierarchy and, uh, you know, uh, and power being concentrated in a few hands of early adopters and venture capitalists. But we have an opportunity here too, because uh, if I were, was to borrow, if I were to borrow from Timothy C. May's lines from his article Libertaria in Cyberspace, I think this will allow um, an arbitrarily large number of separate nations or communes to coexist simultaneously, and it would allow for rapid experimentation, self-selection, and evolution. Uh, tying it back to uh, education and the community of learners. I think Web3 as a space and as a political philosophy allows us to reimagine and reinvent social structures, educational institutions, financial institutions, uh, how we look at diversity. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's my closing remark. Thank you. Great. I think diversity, uh, diversity and inclusiveness are very important components when building a com community. Andrea, your closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I will steal uh, a piece from Annalisa uh, uh, finishing, uh, closing, uh, closing thoughts. I, I think she, she got the right point. I mean, these are new channels, new layers of communication. The message, it's not the channel. So the message, you need to be your message. You need to be the, the value inside the message or at least something uh, to be given. Uh, what Web3 does uh, really, as you mentioned before, is really enabling new storytelling for brands. So new ways uh, in, uh, in which you can bring your values and your, your story, whatever you like, to your audience. But uh, you, you, won't, you won't be able to build uh, a message with the instrument. The message, uh, uh, it's another thing and, and you should be focused on that. Yeah, great. Uh, so on that thought, I'm going to wrap up today's webinar. A few housekeeping points, uh, a recording of this webinar and a podcast will be available tomorrow, same time on onlywebinars.com. Uh, do share that link with your friends, your family, your community members. We want to reach as many people as we can. And that is one of the main reasons why I started onlywebinars.com some two years back. And you'll be happy to know We've done 60 plus webinars in two years. We've got a strong, robust community of 16,000 plus and growing every day. Our next webinar is day after tomorrow. And we are talking about building real economies in the virtual world. An interesting topic. We have Dirk Lewitt, who is the author of Navigating the Metaverse. We have uh, Salman, who's an investor in the space. And we have Stephanie, who I believe is in the audience today. She is big on luxury fashion from France. So we are looking forward uh, for that webinar, all the learnings that will come. Uh, do register at onlywebinars.com for a day after at 7 p.m. Dubai. Uh, time to say thank you to the audience for investing your uh, 60 minutes with us. To each one of my panelists, Dr. Annalisa, Andrea, Maya, Gislin and Dr. Jandrina for being here today. Uh, love this conversation. And I look forward to seeing you on the other side. So let me say bye to you for now. Thank you so much, Sharad. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye, -bye. bye. bye.